0: A Cadmean Victory, by M.J. Bradley, read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 8. I Am Number 4. Storm clouds brewed in the ceiling of the Great Hall. Lightning flashed above Harry's corner of Gryffindor table. Its thunder rippled out across the whole hall like waves across a dark sea. He propped his book up between Ron and his rack of toast, munching bites between turning the pages. It's going to be a good day. The goblet of fire burnt with good cheer at the far end of the hall. The blue flames flickered in the corner of Harry's eye, reflected on the inside of his glasses. Ten Sickles says it's Angelina, Seamus muttered. Dean spared Hermione a wary look. You're on. It'll be Diggory of that stuck-up Ravenclaw for sure. Ron swallowed a huge mouthful of bacon. He won't pay you. Seamus still owes me for the house-elf bet. Don't remind me, Dean shuddered. And keep it down. Hermione's not remembered to try and foist badges onto us today yet. Let's try and make it last. Harry looked up from his book. Badges? Yeah, Seamus glowered. It's your damn fault. That rubbish you fed her about house-elves at Hogwarts set her off in search of the kitchens— and now she's gone and started an enslaved magical people's rights group. I just wanted to stop her attempts to force-feed me. Well, it worked, but we're all paying a high price for it, Dean said. Harry shrugged. She hasn't tried to sell me one. You haven't exactly been around, mate, Ron groused. We're living dangerously, we are. Yeah, any more refusals until you realize we don't agree with her, Dean said. Seamus grinned. Or worse, we might end up like Neville. Harry raised an eyebrow. Hermione's sold him about ten badges already, but he keeps forgetting them. She thinks he's doing it on purpose and has taken to harassing him about wearing them every time she sees him. "'Better him than us,' Dean said. "'Better him than us.' "'Too true.' Ron glanced down the table to where Hermione's bushy hair stuck out of her textbook. She went mental on lavender when she refused to wear one because it didn't go with a lip gloss. Seamus laughed. "'Best refusal yet!' Hermione was absolutely livid that lip gloss should be considered of equal importance to her anti-slavery movement. "Someone needs to tell her about the differences between keeping households and having slaves," Ron grumbled. "It's going well beyond a joke." They all turned to look at Harry. "I don't actually know myself," he said. "Have you tried leaving books about it lying around near her? She'll see them, read them, and then maybe stop. Once she's learnt a bit more, she'll realize she's wrong and move on. Hermione hates being wrong. She'll give it up." That's a good idea, mate, Seamus said. Cunning. It's worth a trip to the library, too. Ron threw a long look at the goblet. Do you reckon they'll announce the champions today? Dumbledore said he would, Dean replied. Harry buried his nose in Salazar's crumbling ancient charms book, flicking through pages of illegible, smeared text until he found a readable section. The water conjuring charm. Probably useful. He pinched Ron's goblet and pointed his wand tip into it. Aguamenti. A dribble of water trickled into the bottom of the goblet. Simple enough, just needs practice. Harry turned to the next clump of bile-plastered pages until he found another legible paragraph. The shield charm is a heavily intent-based ward, adapted from basic hex deflection into a more practical defense. As such, it can only be penetrated by spells cast with stronger intent and focus, the ultimate example of which is the killing curse that has such a potent level of intent it cannot be shielded against. There's not much of this book left. He squinted at the tattered cover, but found no sign of either title or author. It's quite good. He pored over the few legible pages, munching on toast and practicing the wand motions for the stunning spell. A strange prickle crawled down the nape of his neck and along his spine. Harry focused on the book, but the sensation persisted. He glanced up. Every pair of eyes in the great hall stared back. The bottom dropped out of his stomach. I missed something important. His heart sank. Which usually means something has gone unexpectedly, horribly wrong. Good book, Harry? Professor Dumbledore called from beside the goblet. He nodded. A titter of laughter rippled round the room. Harry's gut knotted itself into a tangle. What the hell is happening? Dumbledore gestured toward the small door at the end of the hall. Would you mind joining the others, Harry? I suppose it can't be worse than being stared at in here. Harry rose from his seat. His friend's faces stared up all along the table, twisted into grimaces and scowls. Pinched lips, dark glares, and muttered insults followed him down the hall. Dumbledore crumpled a burnt-edged piece of parchment in his fingers. Oh. Harry froze mid-step. His blood turned to ice. This is not seriously happening, is it? He turned to Dumbledore, but the headmaster's stern expression stopped him in his tracks. I didn't even want to watch the tenement, let alone take part in the bloody thing. Harry fixed the goblet with a cold stare and stalked into the antechamber. Cedric Diggory and a silver-haired French girl leant against the wall within. Victor Crumb paced the floor like a caged tiger. What is it, Harry? Diggory asked. Do they want us to go back? Harry blinked. What the hell am I here for if he's the champion? He managed a hint of a smile. Seamus has Dean tensicles. This is unprecedented! A loud voice boomed. Ludo Bagman stomped into the room. A fourth champion! He's going to compete? The silver-haired girl turned her nose up. Vraiment? He has to. Mr. Crouch's dry, tired voice echoed from the corner of the room. Entering your name in the Goblet represents the creation of a magically binding contract. Of course it does. Harry clenched his jaw and seethed. Every year, every single year. I shouldn't even be surprised. He sighed. What if you didn't put your name in, and happens to find yourself here anyway? Are you suggesting that you did not enter your name, Mr. Potter? Dumbledore swept into the center of the room, trailed by Professor McGonagall, Professor Moody, and Snape. I wasn't suggesting it, sir. I can say with complete certainty that I didn't consciously do so, nor did I get another student to do it. He's lying, the French girl said. How else did his name come out? She tossed her hair and raised her chin. It does seem unlikely, Harry, Dumbledore said. Harry shrugged. Whatever then, I'm stuck in the bloody thing on the way. We would like an extra champion, Bobeton's enormous headmistress demanded. Hogwarts can not have two when we only have one. Hogwarts only has one champion, Harry said. Diggory put his name in and was chosen. He's the representative of the school. Diggory frowned. You have to compete, Mr. Crouch said, else you lose your magic. "'No,' Harry scowled. "'I don't have to belong to a school, though. "'I'll turn up and take part, "'but I won't be earning any points for Hogwarts "'when I never even wanted to compete in the first place. "'If that is what you wish, Harry.' "'The twinkle faded from Professor Dumbledore's eyes. "'It's your fault, you old coot. "'Your age-line was meant to stop stuff like this. "'But just like last year and both years before, "'I'm the one who gets stuck in the middle of all your mess.' "'Is that acceptable?' "'Mr. Crouch asked the other champions. "'It's not like he will earn any points anyway.' the French witch said. Crum and Centric nodded. "'Then it's settled!' Backman cried. "'We'll come and fetch you before the wand-weighing ceremony at the start of the tournament!' The other champions filed out past Harry. Babeton's champion glared at him through her veil of silver hair. "'I don't think she likes me.' "'Stay here, please, Harry,' Dumbledore said. Professor McGonagall thrust the door out. Snape sneered. Professor Moody's magical eye fixed itself on a point right between Harry's ears. I didn't expect this from you, my boy. Professor Dumbledore shook his head. I won't pretend to understand why you entered, but you have to take part now, and you're at a great disadvantage. The tasks were designed for sixth- and seventh-year students, not fourth-years. I didn't enter my name. I see, Dumbledore murmured. Ridiculous! Harry choked down a cold ball of fury. "'What do I have to do for people to trust me? Whoever put my name in this stupid tournament is going to regret it.' He turned and wrenched the door open, stalking around the corner toward the common room. Whispers and barbed comments dogged him. Slytherin and Hufflepuff students wore their disdain in their sleeves. "'At least my friends will believe me once I tell them.' Stark silence fell over the Gryffindor common room as he stepped into it. "'I can't believe you, Harry!' Ron launched himself out of his seat. "'You said you wouldn't put your name in! You promised you'd be watching alongside us!' Hot, angry eyes stared from all parts of the room. "'You could have at least told us how you managed it "'so we'd have a chance as well,' Seamus spat. "'Your words doesn't mean much, does it?' They turned away when he opened his mouth to speak. Hermione looked away and folded her arms. The little point of ice in Harry's chest tightened like a vice. Why won't they listen? He turns to the trio of chasers. You girls believe me right. You told us you weren't going to enter, Angelina snapped. But your name came out, didn't it? Harry searched a sea of cold faces. So that's how it is. He tightened his hands into fists. So much for house loyalty. He spun and stormed toward the Chamber of Secrets before any of the words slipped up from the ball of cold fury in his chest to his tongue. Salazar was right. I should have made better friends. He marched past Myrtle's cubicle and down the stairs, tore his wand from his sleeve, and unleashed every violent spell he knew. Red, purple, and white magic hissed through the air. Serpent effigies shattered— throwing dust and sharp stone fragments across the chamber. A sharp piece of stone sliced a line of fire through his cheek, and a hot drop trickled down his chin and neck. Why? He hurled magic into the basilisk's impenetrable hide. Why? 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 Harry slumped down against the wall and pounded his fist into the stone chips and dust until the pain swallowed his rage. Stupid, bloody idiots. He picked bits of stone out of his hand and tossed them away, smearing blood down his robes. The small point of ice in his chest melted into a numb, hollow void. They should know better. When have I ever wanted to be in something like this? Harry repaired the damage he'd done to the walls with a flick of his wand, vanished the blood off his robes, and crossed into the study. What were you doing? Salazar asked him. Venting. "'Sawazar's brows drew together. "'What happened?' "'My name was chosen for the Triwizard Tournament. "'I didn't even enter, but nobody will listen to me, let alone believe me. "'My housemates and friends certainly don't.' "'I do?' Sawazar said. "'What does it say about my friends? "'The only one who trusts me is a thousand-year-old portrait,' Harry demanded. "'It says and Helga would both be very disappointed. "'Tell me about the tournament.' It has tasks, three of them. There's a champion from each of Hogwarts, Durmstrang, and Beaubaton than me. Is it dangerous? It was cancelled because the contestants kept dying. Something worth winning, then, Salazar said. I'm competing with much older students, the best in their schools. You're my heir. You're a prodigy at transfiguration, provision at dueling, and you're powerful in your own right. You can win. You will win. ''Why would I even want to win? Harry asked. It's a stupid bloody idea. Let's stick a bunch of children in a death trap and watch what happens. The hat nearly put you in Slytherin, yes? Yeah? Yes. Then use some of that ambition you must have lurking inside you and prove yourself better. Silence your doubters and former friends by winning the damn thing. Salazar's lip curled. They'll come flocking back to you afterward. I guarantee it. What if I don't want them back? Make better allies, then. Salazar's wand let out a spurt of green and silver sparks. You wanted to be stronger. Accomplish it. Winning this tournament will prove you really have bettered yourself. I do need to be better. Harry doubted he'd survived too many more adverse odd scrapes. I've ridden my luck near to death already. What should I do? He asked. How can I win? Cunning. they would underestimate you and focus on the other champions. Know your pride and use theirs against them. A serpent strikes from hiding. Salazar stroked the snake looped round his shoulders. Do the rituals. The first is more of a risk if you carry it out before it dotted, but its benefits will be greater because of it. The second is virtually risk-free. The ritual was a common practice in my time. Oh, but they write the of passage. It will encourage your body to improve itself more quickly. For that's a very simplistic explanation. Neither will bring you incredible power, but they'll close the gap between you and the others. Tom Riddle profited greatly from these, though he took them many steps further afterward on his own. Harry scowled at the painting. And look what happens to Tom Riddle, more monster than man. Intent is the most important part of magic, Salazar said. There's no such thing as light or dark, only the intent with which power is wielded. You might not like it, But Albus Dumbledore is not famous and admired because he's well-intentioned. He's famous and admired because he intended to do great things and was powerful enough to accomplish them. Damn right, I don't like it. Harry clenched his jaw and struggled for a retort. But he's right. Dumbledore could probably do anything Riddle's done. He just chooses not to. He took a deep breath. Fine, I'll do it. Salazar nodded. A man who's not afraid to open his mind to things he doesn't like will always go further than one who covers his ears and refuses to listen. Faint footprints marked the ladder up to where Salazar said the books about rituals were. The feet were too large to be jinnies and about the same size as Harry's own. Beetle's footsteps. Harry scuffed the marks away with his feet. There's to in the book, Salazar said. They're not very complex, just dangerous if you do something wrong. Harry dropped two battered books down atop a dust-covered copy of Secrets of the Darkest Arts and clambered down the ladder. Sheaves of parchment stuck out of the pages of the large, black tome. Tom middle's homework, no doubt. He picked up his books and turned to the painting. Am I likely to do anything wrong? Not with me here. Now take me out into the chamber. You're not drawing runes all over my tidy study. Harry sighed. I hate carrying this painting. Whoever cast the anti-levitating charm on it was a sadist of the highest order? It was probably Salazar himself. Use the flagrate spell. Salazar sketched runes of green and silver fire in the air from the tip of his wand. Like that. It's best to have nothing but your own magic involved in the ritual. Harry tapped the tip of his wand on his palm and peered at the green flames in the cracked paint. Flagrates just conjured fire. I wonder if I can change the color. He pictured purple flames and flicked his wand through the air. Indigo fire traced after it. Harry grinned. I was wrong with green. Salazar crossed his arms. Green is the best color. I prefer purple. Harry etched the runes from the book onto the floor until he crouched within a seven-pointed star and a triangle of violet runes. No. Salazar jabbed his wand at the last runes. Do that bit again. He cocked his head. In fact, the first part and the runes by your left foot need to be more like the book, too. Harry glanced between them. They could not be more identical. He did them again. Whatever, just in case. A few drops of blood at each of the points of the star and triangle, Salazar said. If you were some half-ray wizard instead of my descendant, we'd have to be careful and do these separately, or even use a triangle instead of the star. Harry drew his wand's tip across his palm, splitting the skin. A thin line of red welled up and trickled into his cupped palm. He let a few drops fall onto each of the points. What happens now? You stand exactly at the center. Salazar pointed his wand at the middle of the star. His snake mimicked the motion with its tail. Then you channel a little magic. The ritual will help you reach your magic more easily when you cast, as well as increasing your power by a small fraction. Harry folded his arms. Salazar sighed. Fine, not embellish. Think of your magic as a bubble. When you're born, you've got a tiny bubble, but like all magical creatures, you have the ability to absorb magic and then use magic in some fashion. As you grow towards maturity, the bubble gets bigger, taking in magic from the world. You can force the bubble to get bigger by straining it in your formative years, but this is risky, as too much strain and stress can warp how you use magic and even rob you of control altogether. This ritual, to use a limited metaphor that doesn't require a lot of study to understand, changes the consistency of the bubble refraction, fraction. will draw magic in or out more easily, which makes casting spells more efficient, reduces the risks of strain, and lets you grow a little more powerful as a bonus. And if something goes wrong, your runes are perfect. So unless you're interrupted, nothing will happen. Humor me. Your bubble changes too much and does something very interesting. It's a virtually non existent possibility. I've checked your rooms. And the other ritual? Any nasty surprises there? If you drew the triangle incorrectly or unevenly, the effects might only be limited to certain parts of your body or certain aspects of improvement. You could simply redo it to correct things. Harry fingered his glasses. Will it fix my eyesight? No. Salazar shook his head. It pushes your body to make the best use of what it's given but it won't affect any pre-existing problems with its template of your anatomy. It'll likely only give you the body of an athletic fourteen-year-old and perhaps speed up puberty. That's a shame. They're always falling off and misting up. It's frankly a miracle that hasn't happened at a more inconvenient moment, like in the presence of something highly dangerous. Harry frowned. I don't have to be naked, do I? It's chilly down here. I think we're right under the lake. The snake buried its head in Salazar's robes. Only a very precise and advanced ritual would be affected by clothing like yours. Fortunately for both of us, these two neither. You should probably leave your wand outside, though, just in case. Harry placed his holly and phoenix feather wand outside the edge of the runic star. I suppose I'd best get started. I won't turn back. He watched the glyphs begin to glow and drew himself up. I won't even look back. End of chapter 8. For the text of this and other stories, visit alltheblankcanvas.com, as well as patreon.com theblankcanvas. Music by As I Walk into the Abyss Blinded. QA Assistance by Sakiko and Ohana. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, Please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.